Hello, listeners. Before we jump into this episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast, I want to give you a, a quick heads up. The audio quality on this one does not meet our standard audio quality. The guest had a little of an issue with their microphone, but we wanted to push through simply because of the insurance topic right now with the wildfires that have happened here in Colorado and a lot of the floods and different things. Just kind of want to make sure that we're motivating our listeners to go out there and make sure that they have the correct policy and the correct coverage for both their personal properties as well as their investment properties. So we'll go ahead, jump into the episode, but again, a little lower quality on the audio for that. We do apologize. My rule of thumb is go with the highest that you're comfortable with because insurance companies exist for a reason and insurance companies generally make a lot of money for a reason. And that's because people don't have claims every year. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason J. Lou Lewis. And today's episode is going to be one we, we've done another episode about a year ago. And I wanted to have another friend of mine, as well as our insurance person, come on and speak. But it's about insurance. Like I said, we had someone a little over maybe a year ago come in on just multifamily. But our guest today, Ben Cohen specializes in most states. I think he's licensed in maybe all of them. Uh, He has three states that he covers for us on our properties. But the reason is that I want to have him on here is we're here in Denver. Uh, He's in Kansas City, but we had the Marshall fires, which you might have heard this past couple months, and essentially burned and fully damaged around a thousand homes. A lot of these were owner-occupant homes, but there were a handful of commercial and investment properties. So that's really triggered a lot of people to be like, oh man, do I have enough insurance? What do I have? What are my policies? We started diving into ours and found out that we had some under my individual name that should have been in an LLC. And it just, it, it caused a little heartburn of, of thinking, man, if we were one of those people in this fire uh, and our property completely burned down, we might not have actually probably wouldn't have had enough insurance and enough renters insurance and such to cover that. So it's a definitely a scary time right now with a lot of the things that are happening on the overall kind of environment from, you know, rain to floods, to fires, to hail that's hitting. So it's definitely not a super sexy topic, but it's one that I think is very important because we're seeing it firsthand here in Denver of, of, these people that are just, I mean, their, their lives are devastated. Some of them just because they've owned the homes so long and they didn't have updated insurance and all the new rules and regulations that are requiring to be lead certified and solar causing the homes now to be so costly rebuilds. Most, a lot of them can't. So now that I said that, let's introduce who's going to jump in and tell us more about that. Mr. Ben Cohen. Okay. Thanks for having me, Jay Lou. So One of the big things that you just touched on was replacement cost and what we're seeing in the industry as a result a lot in in large part of the pandemic and supply chain issues. There's also supply chain issues in insurance. Like 
we actually had uh, somebody who was under contract on one of the homes that burned. He was going to close on it like eight days before that fire happened. Obviously, he didn't own it then, but whoever owned it probably didn't have it insured for enough. That's one one thing that we're finding uh, is in a lot of large, rapidly growing metropolitan areas with what the supply chain is currently doing, the increases in lumber, the decrease in finding contractors, like contractors are having labor shortages, build prices are just astronomical right now. So you've got like a lot of the homes in the Marshall fires, uh, probably an example would be you've got maybe a 2,400 square foot home where when the person bought the policy a decade ago, when they moved into the house, it might've been insured for $350,000. If they never touched that insurance policy, the insurance carrier would put an inflationary adjustment on it every year, but that's generally only two to 4%. So after 10 years, maybe that home is insured for 440 or 450 grand. And there's no way that you can rebuild a house like that for 200 bucks a foot. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So 200 a foot's, you know, tough possible to build almost. Yeah. Darn near impossible. Like maybe in middle America, rural areas, like sure all day long, but Denver area, there's probably some people listening who live in Dallas, Fort Worth area, Austin, California, basically anywhere where there's been massive growth, there's just been an incredible amount of inflation in the past year on what things cost to build. And Insurance, like Jay Lou said, it's uh, not sexy. It's probably one of the most boring things that you possibly could talk about. And one of the things that people like talking about or hearing about the least. But when you've got a rental property portfolio, like if you've got multiple homes, whether you're renting them out or whether you have multiple homes that, that you occupy or just on your own primary home, there are a lot of times are just massive deficiencies with how those policies are structured currently. And in the 15 years I've been doing this, I've, I'll say there've only been three total losses to single family homes that I've been a part of. But in all of those scenarios, those homes were more to rebuild than what the person thought they were going to be. Luckily, in all those scenarios, the policies covered everything. But that's another thing too, talking about how a property can be underinsured. Properties can also be overinsured too. Like uh, I had a client who probably in 2012, his home in Edwards, Colorado got struck by lightning, had a wood shake roof. They weren't there. They were in Kansas City. It was their second home. And it was up on a hill away from other houses and the thing burnt to burnt to the ground, like an 8,000 square foot, beautiful custom home, just gone. And that policy, there was uh, 3.2 million of coverage on the home. And then that particular insurance company has uncapped replacement cost. So what they wound up doing was, and this is fairly common, they had uh, three builders come in and give estimates on what it would cost to replace 
everything, rebuild it. And that's the amount of the settlement that he wound up getting. But it's when you're talking about being underinsured or overinsured, if you're spending $1,800 a year on property insurance and you don't know whether you're underinsured or overinsured, just ask, ask your broker for an extra hundred bucks a year. You basically can guarantee that you're not going to run out of money on the rebuild. And with a lot of insurance companies, they offer uncapped replacement costs. So the fire scenario, like that's coming into play for every single person. And what the insurance companies obviously are going to do is they're going to say you have, basically they're not going to pay out anything unless they, unless they legally have to. They don't do anything out of the goodness of their heart ever as much as we would like them to. So, yeah. And what are some tips, you know, creative ways to dive into it, both if it's your personal house or a lot of our listeners, you know, their investment properties. So what might be some things that they should look at? What questions should they ask? Sure. I think a lot of it has to do with geographically where your home is located. Like where I live in Prairie Village, Kansas, brand new construction for semi-custom homes is typically around 230 bucks a foot. In Denver, it's probably north of 300 bucks a foot, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean give or give or take. I mean, and it's it's, you know, the land and it's finding the contractors and the time and all of that as well. Right. So, geographic location is a big consideration. Yeah. Another like on just personal or rental properties, one thing that you hit on in the intro was how insureds are listed on policies. So there's a lot of times where we have people call in or are referred to us and their primary homes owned in a trust or they have some rental properties that are owned in one LLC or that are owned in various LLCs just to keep things separate. And like you said, J. Lou, some people own tons of properties and they think that their insurance program is up to snuff. But an example on any of the wildfires that we've been experiencing, let's say somebody has a home that's owned in a trust or owned in an LLC, and that's who that home is legally titled to. But the insurance policy is written in that person's name or in husband and wife's name, but not in the LLC or the trust. The insurer is going to have a big problem stroking a check when you don't have insurable interest in the property that you've been insuring. Sure, you own the trust or you're a trustee or you own, you're a member or you're the member manager of the LLC, but the insurance company is going to do everything they can to not pay out the claim. And it doesn't matter who they are. Yeah. Like, but there's no such thing as um, all of them are going to go to great lengths to in a large loss to not pay out any more than what they legally have to. In a small claim, let's say there's a, if you have a house that's owned in an LLC, but it's your name on it and a hailstorm comes through and wipes out the roof, they're probably not going to ask to see the title of the house. They're probably just going to pay, pay the claim. But in catastrophic scenarios, which unfortunately we're seeing a lot more of, they, that's something that they're, they're going to want to see. 
Yeah. So any of those, like make sure it matches the, who's on the insurance matches it's on the title. Any other, those kind of little gotchas that might come up that you're seeing currently? Yeah, there's always gotchas. There's constantly new stuff coming out in the multiple hundred year industry of insurance. There's stuff that I'd recommend asking your agent or your broker about that can be added to policies for not a lot of premium. A lot of homes all over the place have uh, buried utility line coverage that has been offered through local water companies or through third parties, not like big national insurance companies. And I looked into what those coverages were a couple of years ago, and it wasn't enough to dig up a broken sewer line that a tree grows into or to dig up and replace a gap, a ruptured gas line that's in the yard. Like that's not stuff that a homeowner's policy or a landlord policy is going to cover unless it's endorsed. And most insurance companies are offering that now. So that's something to look for. Recently with Verbo and Airbnb and just home sharing in general, we've had to start asking the question, do you rent your home out to others on a part-time basis? Because if somebody owns a property and they are leasing it out, like say it's a a lake house. Somebody's leasing out a lake house over the summer on the weekends that they're not using it. Sure, they're making some additional income there, but if there's a liability claim like a slip and fall there, or if people trash the house, or if people start a fire at the house or something bad happens, basically if anything bad happens at the house, and the insurance company didn't know and didn't price for the exposure of having strangers at the house, they can decline the claim. And that's been, obviously that wasn't an issue until a couple of years ago, but it definitely is now. And how much are you seeing a policy, everything else being the same, that it's not a rental at all short term, and then they want to add that on because they start doing that. What percentage do you kind of see that that increases a $2,000 policy? Not a lot, maybe 10 or 15%. But the big kicker there is a lot of companies won't offer it, period. So I won't rattle through the list of companies that will will not offer it, but there's a lot of companies that just won't do it because they're not comfortable with the exposure. So... It's important to disclose everything to whoever you're buying your insurance from. If they make a mistake or if they exclude something that you told them you were doing at the property, then that's on them. Do you and need to get any, get that in, in writing? Should you email people versus yes. say it over the phone? And Yes. I would recommend in any correspondence with your insurance agent or your insurance broker, get everything in writing, even if they're a close friend. Yeah. Um, like there's a paper trail to everything. If you called me and said, Hey, I'm going to be putting this house up for short-term rental over the summer. And we did not, we, we don't update the policy and something happens at that house when it is being rented short-term and that's not endorsed, then technically that's on us because 
because you told us, but there needs to be a paper trail there. What about the short-term rentals, say Airbnb, they offer the million, you know, quote million dollars. What, what do you see? Does that do anything or is that just a smoke and mirror? That may be from a liability standpoint. I haven't experienced a claim or heard about any claims where somebody's had a home being occupied short-term and it's been a total loss or something like that. But that insurance policy that Airbnb or Verbo is providing, that insurer is going to do whatever they can to not pay out. For sure. So it's... uh, not necessarily a scenario where you're double covered. Like the important thing is to get what you need on the property. And then if there's something ancillary that that company's offering, great. Yeah. That company's not going to have a whole lot of reason to indemnify you. For sure. Well, in any other unique ways, creative ways to kind of maximize the insurance aspect, what I kind of been referring it to is I kind of have the my, you know, my kingdom, my kind of castle, and that's all the properties and everything I'm doing. I'm trying to like my guard towers are my property managers that are, you know, watching it, taking care of it, making sure who comes and goes is as well vetted as possible. But the insurance is kind of how I, my analogy is, is that's the moat around it. And up to this point, I've had just a bunch of non-connected moats. There's there's been gaps in between those. It's not a con, con, you know contiguous source of water around it that people can't walk through. You know, and that's kind of been my goal the last few years with all the properties that have multiple states is to get that moat to be one full, fully secure. There's no gaps. There's no way your people jump through there. So with that, is there, you know, any, any other creative ways to make sure that you're, you're doing that? If it's short-term, long-term development, if it's multifamily or single family rentals or short-term rentals, what, what are anything to kind of help people make sure that their moat around their assets, their kingdom is as secure as possible? I'm a big believer in self-insuring for small stuff and Small stuff is a different meaning for everybody. Like if somebody has uh, $150,000 rental house, small to them might be, or big to them might be a $1,500 water claim. Somebody that owns a 10 plex apartment that's worth $2 million in a nice area, they might be able to self-insure for $10,000 without it having any repercussions on that. And when when you say self-insure, is that just a higher deductible? That's right. Okay. Yep. Is so, there any any point with the deductible that you kind of see that it starts to like that cross reference where you know higher deductible, lower price that they kind of hit at that that right that right point where it's the the highest the lowest deductible, but yet also still the lowest price as well. So it really depends on the carrier. Some carriers, like right now, there's a lot of. Uh, new insurtech companies coming to market. And a lot of them don't do a ton of due diligence on underwriting. They're just trying to absorb market share. So them compared to a traditional carrier like a Travelers or a Liberty Mutual or State Farm, like you're going to see a lot of pricing discrepancies. But from a, deduct- a deductible standpoint, my rule of thumb is go with the highest that you're comfortable with because insurance companies exist for a reason. 
And insurance companies generally make a lot of money for a reason. And that's because people don't have claims every year. The, the worst thing somebody can do is to file tons of claims because then you get kicked out of preferred markets from a pricing standpoint. And you get kicked out of markets where they offer policies that have every applicable endorsement. Like if an example would be, let's say there's a home with an older wood shake roof, like 30 or 40 years ago, when people put a roof on, it was wood. Insurance companies figured out that wood roofs deteriorate and there's a lot of claims on them. So most insurance companies won't even insure a home with a wood roof. So everything's really just situational from a property to property basis. And the most important thing is just getting, when you're buying a property, get multiple opinions on the insurance. Or if you're going through a coverage audit, like I'm really biased to a brokerage model. I came from a captive model where I represented one insurance company. Generally, insurance companies are good at one thing or two things or three things, but they're not good at everything. So it's important to fish with a lot of lines in the water when you're getting pricing on things. It's great. Well, we can take a quick break and we can come back. We haven't done the final five in a while and uh, actually might just make it, make it the final one. Cause I'd love to just get Ben's perspective on the market, just seeing it from an insurance perspective of the overall real estate market here coming up. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. All right, we are back from break, and we're going to do the final one this time. So Ben, where do you see the real estate markets this next year overall from an insurance agent owner's perspective? From an insurance standpoint... Unfortunately, for all consumers, I only see things getting more expensive because any inflation on any type of goods, that's also affecting insurance. I think that if interest rates can start trickling back up a little bit, then that's going to stabilize or do a little bit better job of stabilizing rates for insurers because they really only can make money three ways. They can make money in like safe harbor investments where it's mostly interest rate driven. They can make money by not paying claims out. And unfortunately, the frequency of claims is the same or worse than it's ever been. And the severity of claims is much worse than it's ever been. And that's from large scale natural disasters. That's also from things like, uh, Somebody who has a backup camera on their bumper. 20 years ago, you could just slap a new bumper on the car if you got in a wreck and it was good to go. Now it's 
putting a new bumper on, replacing the backup camera, reprogramming things with the car, and the repair is 6x what it used to be. And all of that is impacting rates across the board because everything is in one big pool from a from a pricing standpoint and a risk standpoint. So things are just going to keep getting more expensive. And I anticipate that a lot of insurers are going to be putting more inflation on property insurance policies in the next couple of years. During the pandemic, rates were pretty flat and there wasn't a lot of pricing disruption. And now they are going to try and catch up and they always get their money. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a simple numbers game. They got to collect more than they pay out to stay in business. So just if they're having to pay out more, they're going to have to collect more. Well, if someone wants to reach out, do you do all 50 states or some of? So I want to say like 38. I can tell you the states that we're not good in. Being located in the middle of the country, we are not good on coastal states. Okay. With like anything that has coastal exposure, okay. typically a lot of those departments of insurance and insurance carriers in those coastal states have products that are only for the local people. Okay. And we're located in downtown Kansas City and we've got people all over the place. I like it. Well, we'll throw in the show notes. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Is there an email or website or such? Yeah, it would be uh, an email. It's uh, ben at brushcreekselect.com or just message me through LinkedIn. Okay. Well, excellent. We'll throw that in the show notes. And then hopefully this, as much as anything, motivated people to to pull out that that deck sheet and make sure that they're looking at that updating it, talking to their broker and making sure that if that catastrophic situation happens, they're in as good a position as possible. So as much as anything, that's that's the motivation we hope to take today is for you guys to, to get motivated on the insurance and just not brush it away. So, all right. Well, Ben, it was a pleasure having you on. And I know that uh, talking wildfires and house burnings and floods and things isn't always a the sexiest, but it's it's something that we're seeing is super valuable. So really appreciate you coming on and, and giving a little bit of insight to the insurance world. Thanks, Jay Lou. All right. Well, everyone, as always, until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box. Think outside the box.